Welcome to the Smith and Rowland Show. Let's join our host, Alan Smith and Jeff Rowland. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Smith and Rowland podcast, where today we're going to begin the program with a spiritual rhyme. That's what Alan Smith has for us, a spiritual rhyme. This is normally how he wakes up of a day. So go ahead. Take it away, Al. Okay. Eeny, meeny, miny. No, that ain't it. Uh, <laughs> a spiritual rhyme. Ain't that what you said? Spiritual rhyme. You said you had a spiritual rhyme. Go ahead. Yeah. Read it for us. What you read to me? You're having such fun. I mean, I don't, I don't understand. Why. Ladies Is there and some gentlemen, kind of reason why you have, read to the world I, your text I, that you sent me this morning? I have no why reason, Mr. Rowland. Heavy on the mister, Hell what heavy. he is thinking this morning. But I'll try to back him up Hell. and help him out here. Yeah, yeah. Well, with his delusion. Apparently, Speaking you're of, not. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's perfectly okay. I can work it into the middle of the podcast. <laughs> you just uh, won't do. Some of the text messages I get early of the morning from Alan Smith on my phone <laughs> just sets the tone and the tenor for the rest of the day. That's exactly right. It sure does. The only thing that I can say is after I read that text, I went, hark, a voice <laughs> is calling me saying, my, my, what has happened to this poor man? What has happened? <laughs> what happened to us where we were discussing different, Jeff and I work with a lot of different churches and over the years and different things. And we were talking about this morning, so many different types of church government. And Jeff, everybody wants to have a biblical church government. And I understand that. I I mean, I get that. But everybody wants to have this biblical church government. Then the questions that you and I have is, okay, which New Testament church government do you want to have? We got seven (laughs) churches in the book of Revelation. That's exactly and, right. And, and all, all of them, them had problems. That's well, exactly right. All but one. All but one. That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's exactly right. And I mean, you know, I've I think that we need to be careful how we name our churches. I think names are important. I'm just saying. You know, I have rent, I've wrote by some churches, and the sign will say "New Hope," which you can just about bet your bottom dollar that's a split off of Hope. <laughs> Hope Baptist Church. Hope Baptist Church, and that's New Hope Baptist Church. So, I mean, you got to be careful with names. I've went by some churches, and it's Corinth. Corinth Baptist. <laughs> yeah. Well, I if you're going that. to name yeah. your church after a New Testament church, I think I'd try to find a church. Maybe that was doing a little bit Philadelphia. Better. Maybe Philadelphia. Maybe Philadelphia. That's right. But there is, there's just all kinds of different forms of church government. And I do think that there's, um, I'm going to bring something up and I'd like for you to comment on it. Alan, I do think that certain types of, how would you put it, governing institutions or governing systems would be a better way to put it up, I guess, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. work better with certain personality congregations than other systems do. But I also believe that biblical principles should overshadow governing systems. And uh, Yeah, we might point out, too, it is a system. According to Google Smith, there are basically six types of church government. The first one is a single elder congregation, or some would call it pastor-led, I guess. And then the other one's called a plural elder congregation. The other one's called a presbytery. Another one's called Episcopal. And then the other one, number five, is called the Papal, or Papal, mm-hmm. which is a Catholic church where you have a pope. The most democratic form 
of ecclesiastical government is the Congregationalist. And it goes on to say the most hierarchical, of course, is the papal or the Catholic Church. So there it cites about six main different forms, single elder, plural elder, presbytery, episcopal, papal, and then congregationalist. Mm -hmm. And so, according to Google Smith, there is the major forms. And so, let's start with maybe the single elder congregation. What is your view? In all honesty, as I look at these, all but the papal or papal, ever how you want to pronounce it, are doable structures, governmental structures. They're doable. I'm sure that some prefer one over the others, but they're basically an expression of trying to govern the church. But anyway, the first one, single elder congregation. Mm -hmm. What denominations does that ring a bell to you with, Jeff? And what is your, where does that fit? Single elder rule is uh, independent, premillennial, fundamental, King James Version <laughs> only, independent Baptist church. I mean, that is in your resume, you know. That is in my resume, (laughs) which is why I know that system so well. And I ascribe to that system as the most biblical model that there is. Now, let me say, (laughs) along with that, Alan, let me say that I do believe that God chooses a man to lead a group of people. I believe that. I think that, that the man needs to, so that puts a whole lot of responsibility on, on a guy. Yeah. Back in the yeah. Old Testament, Moses said, I got to have help. 70 elders was, was chosen yeah. to help him lead. So I don't think that any one man alone can do the job unless he incorporates others around him that he can hold himself accountable to and that he can also glean wisdom from. Scriptures is plain in saying that there is wisdom in the counsel of others. So I do think that even in a single elder ruled church or a pastor-led congregation, the pastor better have some people around him that can speak wisdom into his life and into his thinking that goes into his leadership. I believe that. I also think there are, can that get out of balance? It sure can. Can any of those systems get out of balance? They sure can. You know, it's kind of a... a balance, is, balance is your key word there. Absolutely the key word in the formation of any kind of government structure or system for the local body. I think that there's a lot of churches that go through torment because of the structure that's in place or because of the lack of structure that is in place to help lead that congregation in the path that it needs to go in. So you got to have strong leaders to pull off anything. And if you have people that are too weak to lead, that abdicate their responsibilities by putting in a different system, I'm not sure that they're fit to lead to start with. In other words, if you've got a pastor that he's scared to death to lead, so what he does is he, he abdicates all of his responsibilities on the elders around him, well, that's not much of a leader. And I fear they'd lead the church in a bad way. So you got to have balance. It's, it requires balance in any kind of structure. And you got to have a concept of what true pastoral authority looks like and what it is. And then how much authority do you give to those around you that's helping you lead that congregation? The single elder congregation and the papal leadership, which is that of the Catholicism, can almost look alike. When you get in an extreme form of single elder, that's where the, you know, let's say an extreme form, it would look like, yeah. Pastor rules. It could look like that of the papal. Anyway, that's where it can get out of balance pretty, 
quick with yeah. a single elder congregation. Now, usually in those single elder congregations, Jeff, most of those churches don't even have elders. They have deacons. And of course, yeah. in my world, in your world, even though biblically they're not interchangeable, the office being, and the reality of it is uh, Baptists tend to have elder, I mean, deacons. Some of them are having elders now, but uh, you know, in the back in the day in our independent Baptist churches, mm-hmm. it was definitely just deacons. And, and, uh, and you know, Alan, and there was a reason there was a reason yeah, for that. I think the reason yeah. was is because you had the single elder rule. Yeah, and that's so what I was gonna then, say. Then you had you so you put everybody in a deacon position mm-hmm. instead of an elder position. Yeah, because the name just in use of the and it signifies that the use of names are significant <laughs> psychologically even to send a message to people because deacons are merely servants. They serve. Elders lead. And so there was, I think that went into why those names are used the way that they're used. The way that we at Shiloh, when we was at Shiloh, the way that we identified leaders is by seeing if somebody was following them. The way that we identified deacons is by seeing if they were functioning in that office of serving people. That's the way we identified them was by what they, how they were functioning and what was going on with their life. And I think that that's a better way of identifying the kind of government that a church, there's a lot of churches that say they're elder ruled or elder led, but in function, they're not. There's a lot of churches that say they're pastor led, but in function, they're not. So there's really not good definition in most local churches of the kind of government that they have. So when crisis comes, it's really a chaotic mess because there's really no structure that's been defined to the people. I would say this, nowhere in the scripture do you find where sheep leads sheep. Sheep require a shepherd. So I will say that leadership is invaluable in most congregations just to keep us grazing on the, in the right field. If we don't have that, then you know this is a sheep will graze down a pasture field and they'd lay there and starve to death after it's gone because they don't know to move. And right. they need a shepherd that will guide them in green pastures. That's what's required, I think, in local churches is the systems need to be in place to do that. Well, it tends to also with this as an example of this church government structure here, this what's called the single elder congregation, that tends to be a pastor-led church is what we're establishing here. Most of the time they have deacons instead of elders, not that they now in contemporary church today, there's more elders are coming up on the scene. But then that begets and pours out over into the plural elder congregation. And that's where most churches that I've worked with will have around seven elders, usually an odd number, so that there is a, you know, couldn't be a tie or a vote. The elders do lead the church, and the pastor is basically under the elder. The elder group mm-hmm. is what my experience has been. That is what we would call a plural elder congregation. Now, I've operated in both single elder Mm -hmm. and plural elder congregation. Mm -hmm. Between me and you, I've seen some situations you needed a single, and I've seen some situations you needed a plural. That's why there has to be a delicate balance. There has to be. Yeah, and I have to say that the styles of government, the question is, can you carry on ecclesia, it's called, can you carry on the church? 
the church behavior of the church with at one of with a single elder or a plural elder? And my answer would be yes, because there's different applications in different situations. And I know that a lot of people would disagree with you and I on this, Jeff, that we believe that both of them work. I'll be a broken record on this topic because I believe that they've all worked. And I don't think that there's necessarily churches has worked because of them. But I'll even say I think church is still working in spite of them because the one who's supposed to be leading the church is Christ himself. And so it's not necessarily, but I, you know, I understand the practical applications of these things. But when we skip the idea that, you know, you got to ask yourself in the churches, who's in charge here? And most people would say, well, the pastor runs things here, the elders or Presbytery or the, you know, here we go. And the truth in any of them, I would say I've seen examples. And as we continue to go over these, I've seen examples. Jeff, where any of these styles of government will run the church totally spiritually bankrupt and as well as financially bankrupt. But I've seen it work and I've seen it not work. In all honesty, when it works is when Christ is the true head, leading the single elder, leading the plural elder. You know, uh, Alan, we've said this a thousand times and people agree to it until they're tested on it. But the church is not, you cannot operate a kingdom-minded church on purely natural business principles. It will not work. It will collide at some point. You cannot run an institution without business principles either. So we have to have the wisdom of God in any form of leadership. So when you've got a group of leaders, whether it's single elder led or whether it's plural elder led, the key to it is going to be in, we have to hear from God on every situation to know what to do. And unless you've got people that's willing to lay aside their opinions long enough to hear the voice of God, then it doesn't matter what system you have. It will lead to chaos and confusion unless that theocratic principle is applied that God and God alone is the one that rules. So there's got to be that balance. I believe that strongly that there's got to be a balance. But in most plural elder ruled churches, you don't really have a pastor. You have a preacher. And if that preacher is to cast vision on the pathway for the church to follow, then the elders would have to approve of that and then lead in that fashion. So if you set it up in that way, then, yeah, I understand that. And I understand the advantages of that. I also understand the disadvantages of that. Because it seems like that in most churches, we spend 95% of our time trying to convince everybody that the direction we're going in is right. 5% of our time moving in that direction. And by the time you get to the 5%, everybody's done burnt out on talking about it so long that you never get it. You never get anywhere. Let me add this, Jeff, in your thought there on this plurality of elders. When you have, say, seven elders that we say are leading the church and it's not pastor led church. Well, I've been in situations where you could have seven elders. And the seven elders are basically, they're all gifted differently, you know what I'm saying? So you bring that different gifting of the leadership to the table. But those elders, what they have in their mind is to complement basically the strengths of the pastor. 
In other words, you've got seven men, elders, that are supporting the pastor. And in other words, I've seen situations, the ones that I've seen function well, Jeff, with when you have that many elders, the ones I've seen operate the best are those that have a pastor that they trust and they believe in. So those seven men, if it's that many, then they will spend their time and their gifts in complementing the pastor's leadership. Mm-hmm. And the pastor actually casts vision for the church, not the elders. Right. I've also been in situation where the elders demanded casting vision and the whole governmental system did not work as well. Yeah. That's all I can tell you. Because yeah. the elders would make the pastor be a hireling unto them. We've hired you to yeah. do this job. We're running it. And now you need to get up there and preach good. That type of church led by elders I have seen totally run the train off the tracks. And there's no growth or anything. But when you have a pastor that is he's leading because of the yielding of the other leaders. They're yielding. They have such faith. Jeff, you and I have known pastors that their integrity, their knowledge of the word of God, their heart, their humility. They demanded our respect. Yeah. I say demanded. Do you, I mean that in the right sense of the word. So therefore, when they would cast vision, it, it appears to me the best ones out of those two that's worked the best is when you the pastor leads it, but it's because the plurality of elders yield to the leadership of the pastor, and then they yeah. help complement his vision and help him pull off of what he sees God is calling the, the direction of the church. And I am more of a single pastor vision of the church and the elders complimenting it. If you get into a mm-hmm. situation that you have an, a pastor that can't have vision, God's got the structure to where then these elders, these group of elders can cast vision. And then the pastor will say, okay, yes, I'm behind that. And then as a whole, they, but still yet you have the elders and the pastor all leading the church in the same way. Best model to me is when you have the pastor leading in a group of men that are serving the pastor. That's the best case scenario that I've been involved with. Well, you know what? I do want to bring this part up. When a church reaches a particular size, it is no longer physically possible to pastor, but so many people, there's just absolutely no way around it. You can't do it. But if you have a group of elders that are actively involved in their calling to where they can pastor a group of people, And those elders are pastored by the pastor himself or maybe the chief elder of the congregation. I think that is the most healthy situation. It requires a lot relationally from the pastor and the elders. It requires a great deal, actually. But I think that that, to me, that's the most healthy situation that you can be involved in where the chief elder is pastoring the elders and the elders are pastoring the people. You know, preaching is kind of apart from that, unless you've got a preacher that is pastoral in his preaching, such as casting vision or direction for the church and that sort of thing. I think that preaching is almost apart from that, from the discipling and teaching of the people, the word of God in practical ways where they can be looked after and cared for by a group of elders that are being led by the chief elder who hopefully is being led by the Holy Spirit of God. And if it's done in that way, then there's proper balance across the board and also proper accountability across the board. If you're in a single elder-led system, God help us if that single elder 
begins to wander away from the voice of God a little bit. If you're in a multi-layered system, whatever you call them, then God help us if you've got two or three of them that are in disagreement with the others. So there's advantages and disadvantages to both sides, but I do know that personality and expression of the congregation itself sometimes dictates what system the Holy Spirit puts in place in a local (laughs) setting. And what would work in one church wouldn't necessarily work in another. I do believe because of that, we need to be adaptable to what the Holy Spirit is saying to a local congregation. Well, let's move on, Jeff, to we've done single elder, plural elder. Let's go move on to the Presbyterian. In the Presbyterian, I'm going to give you what the definition of Google Smith says here. It says that Presbyterian relating to or denoting a Christian church or denomination governed by elders according to the principles of Presbyterianism. Now, the principles that it's referring to are They believe in the sovereignty of God, the authority of Scripture, justification by grace through faith, and the priesthood of all believers. So this is where we start coming into the idea. Now, I'm not that well-read on Presbyterian beliefs. Basically, a lot of the denominations I do know that Calvinism is a core of a lot of the beliefs of the Presbyterians, of some of them. But also, I know that they consider themselves as being elder-led somewhat. But it's yeah, they their, do. Yep. their belief system, though, is kind of from the bottom up instead of from the top down. I'm not saying they accomplish that. But here is a definition on Google Smith here that says the big difference between Presbyterians and other Christian Protestant denominations is in how they are governed. The Presbyterian Church is run at every level by a combination of clergy and laity, men and women alike, and is governed from the bottom up by a body of people called the Session and comprised, therefore, of elders and the laity. That's mm-hmm. what Google Smith has to say. What's your take on the Presbyterian system? Because we've seen all of them work. Again, I think there are advantages to what the Presbyterians do. There are disadvantages to what the Presbyterians do as well. And the more people that are involved in leadership, then the more people there are that is required to hear the voice of God. You get to this place where the children of Israel says to Moses, well, you're not the only one that can hear from God. We can hear from God too. Why don't you tell God to come down and speak to us? And so Moses said, okay, I think that's a great idea. So he goes up to the mountain, talks to God about it. God says, yeah, well, tell them to prepare themselves. Don't touch the mountain. Don't tell them to wash their clothes, get clean, get ready to hear me, and I'll come down and speak to them. So the Lord come down and speak to them. And as soon as he started talking, everybody got frightful over the voice of God and then told Moses, tell God to speak to you and we'll hear you. So it's all about hearing the voice of God to form a democratic system of governing the church based off of your natural opinions of democracy will not work. I've seen congregation led things that overrules the pastor's vision because some of the people didn't like it and they politicked where they got everybody to vote on their side. They vote down the pastor's vision and the church suffers because of it. So I'm saying that there are disadvantages to that system as well. I do understand, however, involving the people in leadership decisions sometimes is really wise. And then there are times when you, you have to say, This particular issue does not require 
involving the people in this decision. It requires leaders to lead and to have courage and backbone enough to lead because you've heard the voice of God and you're under a mandate to do so. We serve. So there has to be that balance is what I'm saying again. Yes, most definitely. And we've seen cases even where revival, like the Methodist Church, or this is more Presbyterian, but we can see how that revivals have been birthed through these denominations to the earth and that it's like God has used it. If you, you see, when you get into the understanding of the priesthood of the believer, that kind of ups the ante from there's not as much of a, you don't distinguish as much between the laity and the clergy. In other words, the priesthood of the believer understanding is saying we're all clergy. And I agree with it. I'm a strong believer in the priesthood of the believer. I told somebody one time, if I wasn't a Baptist, I'd be a Presbyterian just because of the uh-huh. form of the government. You know, I mean that. But mm-hmm. when you're talking about the priesthood of the believer, the sovereignty of God, the justification by grace through faith, those are doctrinal things that in an elder-led church should be taught to the people. Mm-hmm. And then that mm-hmm. expression, the expression of the priesthood of the believer should be allowed in the mm-hmm. church. You know, I've seen very few elder-led churches that that's not the case. You know, they're very open to the priesthood mm-hmm. of the believer and that other people can hear from God and we want to hear from them. Right. So it's almost like that there is a cross-section, a hybrid between all of these systems up and running at the same time. Right. And I think that's good. But ultimately, the vision, the direction, and even the expression and personality normally, not always, but normally, follows who's in the pulpit preaching mm-hmm. and what they're mm-hmm. preaching. And then what's mm-hmm. being echoed outside of that in the ears of the people out of earshot of the preacher. Mm-hmm. That's why mm-hmm. I think that elders are significantly important, vitally important to echo what the pastor is saying when what the pastor is saying rings true as a word from God. And right. I think that's important. It's very important. And, and you know what, Al, just as a, please comment on this part. If our conversations in leadership was more about that instead of around, well, how are we going to, we need to buy some cleaning materials for the cleaning office. I just think our churches would be in a lot better shape than what they are. I think, Jeff, to answer your question, which we do not see too many of these models, but it would appear to me that to have a pastor-led church, and uh, we're going to have to pick up on this one again tomorrow, if you don't mind, because we're out of time. But to me, what, just to summarize where we are, it appears to me that all of these different systems that we're talking about of basically a Protestant Christianity, I guess you could say, have worked in times past. It appears to me that a combination of pastor-led, a plurality of elders backing up that pastor with understanding and giving her a, a strong reflection of the priesthood, you know, of the believer has been a very good mix, if you will, up to mm-hmm. this point yeah. of us discussing. Yeah. So what we're seeing is each one of these different expressions of government tends to maximize one particular gifting part of the government. So as we're seeing the differences, even though you and I embrace all of them and we like to emphasize their strengths, but also we know that the weaknesses have been cause of division in the Christian church. Let's pick up more on that tomorrow as we got some more to go with. We're just halfway through this conversation. Yeah. And tomorrow we're going to speak about Episcopal and the Papal and the Congregationalist and maybe a few more, but we'll speak about these. Let's 
move into that tomorrow and understanding that we need to come together on our strengths. We need to come together on what we agree on and we need to allow, you know, you and I build our whole ministries around the verse where God has placed everybody in the body where it pleases him, not pleases us, where it pleases him. That's right. So you and I try to give honor to that verse as we uh, move forward. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're not necessarily the type that bash all of the different denominations and forms of government. No. We're, that's not who you and I are. Okay. No. And, and we're not saying that we are experts on all the different expressions because we're well, not. But yeah, we that's do. right. Speak for yourself. I am, but you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it'll be okay. <laughs> I, I can teach <laughs> you and school you as we go. <laughs> you sound like my little rhyme this morning. Yeah, that's okay, right. Roland. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Alan. All right, buddy. Be careful. Uh, See you tomorrow. All right, bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining today's Smith & Rowan Show. You can check out our website at kingdompropheticsociety.org and our daily unplugged podcast at smithandrowanshow.podbean.com. You can also join us on Amazon, Apple, or Spotify.